If you look up Google Trends and you look up the word CrossFit, you will see a peak. And you will see since that peak, it's been about seven years of decline. Um, and it's not because, I don't think it's not because CrossFit is irrelevant. So and I think that's what's happened. Is what's happened over time is that it's, there are so many really good coaches out there. I mean, CrossFit has educated a lot of L1, L2, L3, level one, level two, level three type coaches that are out there that now have experience in developing their own things. I mean, let's face it, people want to develop their own brand, their own person, everything else. And that's why people are moving away from CrossFit because they have, they, they found their own voice. They found their own um, persona and they don't need to associate themselves with the brand anymore. Hi, my name is Pete McCall, and welcome to this episode of the All About Fitness Podcast. That voice you heard in the beginning there in the introduction is one of my oldest friends in the fitness industry, entrepreneur Graham King. Well, I should also say he's a personal trainer as well as an entrepreneur. Graham and I worked together many, many moons ago in Washington, D.C. I went on to do, I went on to pursue the education side of things. I went on and worked various education components in the industry, and Graham went on to own various, he owns three studios now, getting ready to open his fourth location in Washington, D.C. And recently, Graham, I reached out to Graham, and I'm running this quickly. We just recorded this interview, and normally I put in put interviews in a rotation, but based on a lot of things happening, obviously, as we all know, a lot of things are changing right now all across the country. I wanted to move this interview up, and so I'm dropping it almost right after right after I record it, which is something I don't I don't normally do. Graham has been affiliated with CrossFit for a number of years, and you'll hear us talk about that the length of time he's been affiliated with CrossFit. And he recently he had CrossFit Shaw in Washington D.C. And as a result of the whole CrossFit controversy, and and the founder and CEO of CrossFit, Greg Glassman, recently stepped down as CEO after just some really stupid comments, really inappropriate comments. And it'll be interesting to see where the, where the brand goes. When I saw this happen and with everything else going on in DC and knowing where Graham's location was, I reached out to him to catch up and have a conversation. I want to talk with him about what it's like as a fitness business. Well, first of all, we talk a little bit about what it's like to be in DC right now. Obviously, a lot of things are going on to have, I grew up in the city, grew up right outside the city to be, to be hundred percent specific and to see army trucks rolling down the streets where I grew up, to me, is a little disconcerting. And Graham works right down the street. One of his studios is right down the street from the White House. I want to get his input on that. I also want to have Graham share his insights on the whole CrossFit situation. Because he, de, he I don't know what, what the term is. It? He delisted. He's no longer a CrossFit affiliate. He did not want to stand with a brand that represented what the founder of the brand stood for. And we talk about that. And also, we talk about Graham, like a lot of fitness owners, how to pivot his fitness business during COVID-19 when people couldn't come into the studio. They're now just now starting to return. And so I want to speak with Graham a little bit. He's one of the more forward-thinking fitness owners I know and one of the more forward-thinking people in fitness that I know. And I want to get his insights on what we can expect from fitness, the, the business side of fitness in the post-COVID-19 world. Now, if you're looking for fitness solutions yourself, if you're ready to get back to the gym, or even if you're just you're tired of your own hit-and-home workouts and you're looking for different workout ideas, check down below in the show notes. I have three workout packages I'm selling, three eight-week workout programs. 
there's an eight-week workout program for dumbbell training. There's an eight-week program for kettlebell conditioning and an eight-week program for functional core training. Each program includes strength workouts, includes metabolic conditioning workouts, and includes mobility workouts, along with a whole bunch of information that will help you learn how to work out using just very minimal equipment. So perfect for that home environment. Each workout program is a little bit less than $20. Great resource if you're looking for fitness solutions. If you're also interested in learning a little bit more about how your body functions when you exercise, I have a great ebook called Dynamic Anatomy. Again, you can find that down below in the show notes. That's how you can support the podcast. If you're a fan of All About Fitness, you can support the podcast by purchasing some of that content. Or if you, you know, are watching your pennies like a lot of us are right now, I know I am, you can support the podcast by simply hitting, giving us a five-star review, however you listen to it. And if you want content, if you want workout solutions, go to the All About Fitness Podcast channel. That's All About Fitness Podcast on YouTube. And I got a bunch of workout solutions on there. You can also go to my website, PeteMcCallFitness.com. That's PeteMcCallFitness.com. If you sign up for my mailing list, I'll send you a chapter for my book, Smarter Workouts, along the workout program that you can do using just your body weight. That's how you can support the podcast. So there's my announcement. There's, there's the pitch aside. And let's get into it. This is a fun conversation with one of the guys who I think is just, he's a creative genius when it comes to fitness. He's a great business owner. He's an awesome personal trainer, and he really is a good friend. And that's Graham King, the founder of Urban Athletic Clubs in Washington, D.C. I'm speaking with one of my oldest friends in the fitness industry today. He is an entrepreneur. We went down two different routes. I went down the education route, and Graham is now probably, I would say you're what, the kingpin of of fitness in D.C.? How are you doing today, Graham? I'm doing great, Pete. Good to and talk to what you. Are you. So how many, how many studios, how many facilities do you have in, in the district? Uh, well, I have three locations here in D.C. Uh, one in Shaw, which is kind of downtown. Adams Morgan, which is our old stopping grounds. And uh, in Glover Park, which and was... Now, which, also, which was when I lived in Adams Morgan, Glover Park was like the suburbs. <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> I mean, you live out in Tacoma now, right? Are you still in uh, the city? No, no. We're, gonna say we're, we're in Woodridge. So we're just near Catholic U. Oh, okay. I did, okay. Yeah, for some reason, yeah. I thought you were out in Tacoma. You'd moved out. Yeah, we were for a while, but we found a place back in the city officially um, in Woodridge. So, yeah, it's great. And what's it like? I mean, you, you, we were just talking about this before I hit the record button, but what's it been like living in the, in the district in, in D.C. the last few weeks? It has been, uh, it's been a whirlwind of a time, I can tell you, from, you know, pre-protests, pre um well, I would say it wasn't. I can't even say riot because riot was doesn't. It wasn't a riot. There was some. It was a protest, a pre-protest, and uh, during uh, lockdown, it was fantastic to drive in the city. There were no cars. <laughs> there was no traffic. Uh, it was a beautiful thing to even the bike. I would bike around. I'd be in the middle of the road. There were no cars. It was. It was fantastic. You everywhere you go, there was plenty of space to do whatever you wanted to do on the sidewalk, on the roads. Uh, so that was a good thing. And then of course, during the, uh, the protests, it sounded like a war zone in terms of the helicopters that were flying all over the place. Well, how surreal was that Graham? And, you know, as somebody who lived in district and we were both neighbors in the Adams Morgan area, how surreal is that to be going down the street, like not too far from the white house and seeing military trucks just rolling around the city? Yeah, it was it was amazing just the you hear the helicopters you know i drove around uh in the morning early in the morning to kind of see what was going on before uh 
the protests got on. Uh, it was just, you, you know, I see the National Guard, I see the Army, I see the trucks, I see people um, blocking certain streets, and you had to go around. It was, it was really wild. And even driving downtown after Sunday, Sunday night when it got kind of crazy, and just seeing all the, the burned out vehicles, uh, the the charred remains of, of things along on the street, uh, everyone boarding up buildings on Monday morning. I drove around early Monday to kind of look around and just amazing how many people were putting up uh, boards that were fixing things. It was just, it was really amazing uh, to see all that going on. Uh, I really felt like, I remember reading about uh, the 68 riots and seeing black and white photos and then to actually be in that was, it was, it was surreal. Where's your location? Are you in the convention center? I think you're, you're going to be going. Yeah, in we're there. in, we're in, yeah, we're actually convention center property. Uh, when they built a convention center, they had about eight to 10 retail spots that they made available. And we took one of those. We actually, we took two of those we took two units and combined it into one. Um, but you know, it's, what's funny is here we are in, we're, we're, between 7th and 9th on N Street, the north end of, of Shaw. The south end of Shaw is where the, um, is basically the uh, Mount Vernon, the Apple store is down there. So we're on the, the opposite end of that. And, you know, here we are. We're uh, a boutique fitness gym uh, and memberships up to 260 a month, personal training, 120 an hour. On the corner is a uh, you know, place that sells $12 six-pack beers. But then half a block from us, there are drug dealers. So it is a very much gentrifying and changing neighborhood. Uh, there's public housing near us, and there's also million-dollar condos near us. So it, it is every part that you think of a, of a city changing, you see it here in Shaw. After the, after the 68 riots, I mean, the white flight was already happening in, in major cities, especially D.C. Um, and, you know, there's the whole, like, the, the power, the, the white people that were in the city left, the African-American population that, that could leave the city left. Um, and you had a void and a void. And that was, that was, uh, it was just nothing for a while in terms of empty storefronts in Shaw, empty storefronts on 14th street. Um, lots of nothing around here. And it's simply, it, it's, it's changed so much in this neighborhood for the good and for the bad. I mean, I'm, I'm you know, some people have been disenfranchised uh, here and some have been put out and, and some, People just can't, uh, you know, they, they, you know, they can't afford to shop at, at, at the places that are around here now. Um, so yeah, and, 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 and I have to tell you that the pandemic and. Well, I was going to say, I mean, that was my perception. And, and that's why I said maybe no, it was down there. But I remember driving through that area as, as a teenager or as a kid growing up and just seeing boarded up stores, seeing boarded up retail areas and everything that that was what created my perception of that now real quick so tell me what did you do with your three studios how have you survived what how did you pivot during the covid pandemic obviously everything in the district was closed what did you how did you and your staff react to that and and, and stay in touch with your members well that's a great question so um we had lots of meetings we thought at least we researched what everyone else was doing uh, we thought, okay, how do we keep people engaged? And, um, you know, from that part, we started doing Zoom calls. We started doing uh, Zoom training. We lent out our equipment to our members. Uh, we let people, uh, we basically, we kept communicating with people on an everyday basis. Um, sometimes Instagram video, sometimes email, sometimes text, whatever it was, we just kept communicating with our members um, to figure out what we wanted to do. 
And then we did, uh, we basically put together in very short time, a schedule of 20 plus zoom workouts per week. And we lent our equipment to people. And we said like to our members, if you want to put it on freeze, you can put it on a membership on a freeze. If you want to keep paying us, keep paying us. If you want to do the online membership, you can do that. If you want to rent the equipment, here's what you can pay. Uh, we gave people all the options in the world. And to our members' credit, many people paid us the full amount um, during this time while they did Zoom calls. I mean, it's, it's, and it's great. Some put their accounts on hold. Uh, and we actually picked up a few members that used to be members who have moved away uh, as places like Seattle that started doing zoom calls with us. So they would come on and do the five o'clock for them. It was two o'clock. They would do the five o'clock class with us. It was great to kind of catch up with them. And then yeah. we did a couple, we did a couple happy hours with people where we have people just get a drink and we all would sit and talk and on our zoom. And it was great. We just kept that connection going. But well, it was, it's funny. I have a friend in Seattle and she teaches a couple of studios there. I'm going to tell her you're taking market share away from her. <laughs> no, but that's one thing. I mean, Grant, talk about that a little bit. Cause that's one thing that I've always really loved about your business model is you didn't want to just make a place for people to come sweat. You wanted to really, I, the, the whole time I've known you and seen you, you know, develop your business, you've really gone, I don't want to say gone out of your way, but an emphasis of your business is on building a community. And how have you, how have you done that? Well, I just think that, um, that's a good question. You know, I don't know. I just, maybe I'm just an extroverted type person and I kind of attract that kind of people to work with us. Um, but I've just, I've always been welcoming, you know, like the biggest thing was just, you know, I think I learned that hardcore when I was at, uh, you know, our, our first place, the Washington sports clubs, um, when we were walked into DuPont circle, um, you know, that was, the only gym in that area. This is like pre results and, and everything else. When we were there, that was a gym that attracted everyone. And, you know, I was introduced, I mean, even though growing up, growing up, growing up in Columbia, where it was super diverse, it wasn't as diverse as DuPont circle in <laughs> 2000. And, you know, thankfully I, I went in there with, as, a, as a, with the attitude of, of Columbia, but just, you know, welcoming all people. And I've always done that. You know, if I have, I've had clients of, of all ages, sizes, everything, and always welcome them and somebody else in and always made that connection. Like if I see somebody like, Hey, you know, Pete, this is so-and-so and so-and-so. And this is, and just make that connection. I think that's the, my internal politician that kind of just connects people together. Um, and that's how you build community. And then we do all of our stuff. We do our, um, you know, the Christmas or the holiday parties should say, and uh, regular community workouts for people and just always be welcoming. And then I think the other thing is it's, it's crazy, but it's like the pricing structure is really important too. Like by not having crazy contracts, by not having um, a way where people hate your gym, people come back. Cause I never forget, like I would be at, at a party with, with people and they would ask me what I did. I'd say, Oh, I'm a trainer at WSC. And they would always say, oh, I hate that place. They screwed me over with this and this and this contract. And I kept that in my head, like thinking, when I open my own gym, I'm not going to have crazy contracts where people hate you because of the contract. They didn't hate the gym. They hated the contract. And so, but through the contract, they hated the gym. So I always thought, let's make a place where people feel like they want to quit. It's, you quit. You want to come back? You come back. 
you know, and I think that's been welcoming in that part where it's not been, we keep this barrier. We don't have a barrier. Everyone's welcome to our gym. Well, you actually reminded me of a conversation we had years ago. And I think it was right after I took the job up in Boston and you wanted to do, because let's face it, Graham. I mean, the way, that, the way that fitness is done in terms of signing a monthly agreement and all that stuff is really, it's kind of a bad, it's a bad business model. And the one of the things I, you know, I love, love about our conversations over the years is you have a very entrepreneurial mindset and you're always looking at things differently. But the one thing you mentioned years ago, and I don't know if you remember this, but you, you, you wanted to do a zip car model where people might pay, like might pay an annual fee. And I think this is a great idea. I don't know if anybody would ever adopt it, but say, say if I'm going to use the gym a lot, I might pay $200 annually, but then I only pay $2 every visit. Whereas if I'm only going to come into the gym and do maybe one or two workouts a week, like say I'm going to come to two yoga classes a week, I might pay $50 an annual membership, but then I pay eight or nine or $10 a visit or whatever. Do you remember that conversation? that we Oh had? yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And in fact, I, I did a whole uh, spreadsheet on, on creating a whole new model for this. And uh, if I found the right software to do it, I, I would, I would basically what I want to do, I would love to make a curve where it's like, it's, it's, it's nothing to start. And then it gets more expensive the more you come. But after you hit a threshold, it starts going down. So something where like, you know, your highest rate is at 12 visits a month, but at the 13th, you get a discount. So, you know, the idea is that like, you know, let's say you're at 12, 12 visits at the gym and it's the 29th. And you're thinking, well, if I go one more day, I'll save 10 bucks. That could be incentive to, to show up. And uh, if, I, if I could find the right software that could, that could do that for me, I would implement that model. But yeah, I just think that, in fact, we're redoing our membership pricing now to be more like that, to give more options. And that's one thing we kind of talked about during the pandemic and during the, the protests was, how can we welcome in more people to our gym through our financial model? And that's exactly what we're doing. So, oh, that's, And I think that's great. And I think, because I really do think that's one of the things of why people don't join a health club, right? Is it's a little bit cost prohibitive or they're thinking, I don't want to sign a membership for a year. I mean, nobody, you want to give people some flexibility. Now, one other thing I want to, want to credit you with too, because I've used this over the years, is you're the one when you first, when we first started talking about CrossFit, and I can't remember how, it was a number of years ago, dude. You said that in fitness, there's an inverse U curve of where we have a large percentage of the population that's really unfit. We have a percentage of the population that's really fit. And then there are a lot of people in the middle that kind of like, that's like an inverse U curve. Do you remember that conversation? Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. And, and, and when you got, how long, when did you get introduced to CrossFit and how'd you get introduced to that? Uh, I got introduced to CrossFit, I guess around 2000. Five, um, I think I was still a Washington Sports Club. I hadn't yet started, or maybe I had just started uh, Balance Gym doing the outdoor boot camps uh, with Dara Crowley. Yeah, and um, we just I just started seeing that, and because I was, you know, as you know, you and I were the were the like the top trainers at WSC, and we were all everyone wanted to train with us because we were doing the fun, creative stuff, you know, speed ladders and and throwing in what really were like CrossFit type workouts, you know, we were deadlifting yeah. and then doing kettlebell swings and doing all that. Uh, Juan Carlos Santana. Exactly. Um, yeah. Yeah. JC Santana, all those things. But you know, we were, we were the ones that were doing the fun and cool stuff that people wanted to train with us. And I think around 2005 or six or whatever it was, um, I started hearing about the CrossFit stuff. 
Well, didn't you, when you, when you guys first started and, and Graham, you did, and again, I mean, this is why I appreciate our friendship because you did something that I think is so creative when you started balance, when you started, when you and Mark first started the original balance, talk about that for a second. Cause that ties into, I think how you first got introduced to CrossFit. What did you do when you guys first started your gym space? How did you get the space to start your first, your first facility when you left WSC? Uh, well, yeah, so we, um, it started out with just doing boot camps. We had a, when we first started, it was called Balance Integrated Training Concepts. And I always say we're an H away from being bitch. <laughs> <laughs> so, and uh, yeah, Balance ITC, that was the name. And uh, so we just started doing some boot camps outside. And then someone told me about some church. And there was this church that had a basketball court and it was near Calorama. And I was like, I'm going to go find it. So uh, Beth Antel and I walked across the street and looked for it and knocked on the church door and they took us into this basketball court. And when they opened up this, like, you know, the old Mackin Catholic high school basketball court, it was, you know, 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock in the morning. It was dark lights. The lights were off. I turned the lights on. It was like seeing, it was like seeing this, like this heaven, if you will, this old basketball court that had such a smell to it and the bleachers. And it was like, it was dusty and it was dirty and it was, disgusting and i was like i'm gonna make this place my home and uh you know we did we we ran our boot camps there there was no air conditioning um i, I trained uh in fact i trained this guy there um strobe talbot who was i think at one point the deputy secretary of state yeah, he was a big guy he was a big deputy secretary of yeah. state guy yeah yeah and he he called it the sweat box which ironically <laughs> There's now a gym in D.C. called Sweatbox. I should have trademarked that name. Um, but he called it the Sweatbox because there was no air conditioning. And, uh, yeah, so that's how – and we were – you know, we got all the – we went all through um, – I guess we went through Perform Better and got all the equipment. We got med balls and slam balls and speed ladders and sandbags. And we had that whole basketball court. And we could just torture people to death. It was, it was great. Well, you guys had that loft area. I don't know if that's where the bleachers had been, but but for listeners, what they did, and I don't you you had a I don't know what your lease arrangement was, but you guys made the arrangement with the church to use a gymnasium that was basically empty. And we're talking about Calorama. That's where that's where President Obama bought his house. Calorama is like the highest rent neighborhood in D.C. And here you guys got a full like basketball court gym space for I think just like way below market rates, right? It's, I mean, like to tell you what we paid initially. So we made a deal. We, we found out that the gym was only being used at night. So we said, look, what if we rent this gym from 6 a.m. to 2? We'll be done at 2. You can have the rentals at night. And our rent was 500 bucks a month oh. or 10% of our revenue. So, you know, I was taking clients from my clients from Washington sports club and showing them a space and I say, Hey, this is what I'm doing now. Some came with me, some didn't. Um, and all the boot camp people started coming there. And before long, we were paying the gym a, you know, a lot more than 500 bucks a month. Um, before we, you know, and then we went to the gym and said, went to the church and said, look, we see what's going on. Somebody needs to manage this place. And we started managing it. We, that's where we took that loft and created a whole personal training studio, we actually put air conditioning inside the loft. We redid the basketball court. And some of these people who are renting the basketball court were paying 40 bucks an hour to have a full length basketball court in the heart of the city 
three blocks from the metro. So we said, okay. And these were all like, we're talking partners in law firms yeah, who yeah. are like, and I was like, look, guys, you're clearly you can afford more than 40 bucks an hour. So it's now 120 an hour. You have a brand new court, you have towel service, you have a shower, you can afford to pay it. So um, we did all that. And then our deal with the church was um, we'll give them majority of the, of the rent from the rentals went to them and the majority of the income from training and, and, and uh, classes went to us. So when we closed that place, we were paying the church. We just decided to plan a flat, a flat rate of 8,000 bucks a month. So we wow. went from paying 500 bucks a month to 8,000 bucks a month over that period of time. So. And, and see, for listeners, I mean, I, I love that story because I, I I did train a few clients there. Like that was right as I was leaving training and getting into the education full time. And anytime I came back to DC, even though I was coming back to the Sports Club LA, I came up there and worked out because you guys created such a cool a cool yeah. space. And what you did, I mean, you know, your former partner went off and started his own thing, but you now have your little, you know, your whole. You have three studios now that you run, three facilities that that derive from that. But to bring it back to CrossFit, Graham, because is one of the reasons why I want to talk to you, that's where, weren't you guys running out that space one or two days a week for Tom, for who started CrossFit yeah, DC? Yeah, CrossFit DC. CrossFit DC, Tom Bros approached us and said, hey, I've got this thing, this, this CrossFit group I want to bring in. And we had heard about it. We were like, sure, you could rent it out. And, uh, you know, Tom brought his CrossFit DC crew in. And, uh, you know, we could really see what it looked like. And it was, uh, it was really funny. It, it, it was not unlike what we were doing as sort of our boot camp stuff, uh, but there was more. It was what we made it different was it was definitely more barbell stuff and more Olympic lifting than we were doing um, for sure. And uh, I think, you know, from the programming standpoint, we didn't really necessarily measure things the way that, you know, CrossFit is, you know, that's the measurable stuff, but then everything for time. We didn't do that so much in our boot camp stuff. We did more just, hey, do this and do that. Um, so, you know, I can see with the, the competition part of the cross, you know, the, in terms of like the um, sport as a competition or fitness as a competition uh, versus for completion, if you will. Yeah, so, and that, and that, yeah. but that, 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 that's right, because that was right about that time. In, in, you know, 2004, 2005, 2006, we were doing a lot of that high intensity stuff with our clients and CrossFit came in and kind of systemized that. Cause then from there, didn't you, I mean, you ran another CrossFit studio. You, you were a partner in another CrossFit studio and you had just until recently CrossFit Shaw. So talk about a little bit your experience with CrossFit and what drew you to it. Yeah. So, um, I think what drew to me, you know, initially was just seeing the, uh, I mean, as, as you said it right, systemizing some of the things that we had already been doing for our, our balanced bootcamp, right. We'd already been doing some of these things, systemizing number one um number two really putting together you know a foundations program that was like you have to do these things before you do the classes um because that was one thing we kind of struggled with with the boot camp stuff is people would come in who said they were fit but didn't know how to do things so this that foundations allowed uh really got people into thinking okay um, this is how you do the right things. This is how we're going to measure it. This is the proper squat. Everyone squats the same way. Everyone deadlifts the same way. Here's everything going on. And then honestly, it was amazing. We, so from about that time, at 2008, 2009, that's when uh, Balance took over the Thomas Circle Sports Club. And that was a, a dying club that was, uh, had no energy and was losing money 
And we went in there and that's, we said, okay, let's put a CrossFit gym front and center on 14th street, uh, right, in, right downtown. And before long, we went from, you know, it was just a, a, a line of people who wanted to join and do foundations. We had a three or four month waiting list for foundations. And we're like, you can't do foundations. We had, you, you can come back in three months and do foundations. It was, it was amazing. Well, real um, quick for listeners, cause I want to talk about where that was. Cause you were right. I mean, you're just off. What is that? Logan circle, like 14th and K you're not it's, far it's, from it's, four- it's, it's Thomas circle. So Thomas it's, circle. it's four, 14th and L. And so imagine that the white house is at 16th and H essentially. So we are not far. We're, you know, eight blocks, six blocks in the white house. It's you put, you put a CrossFit studio right in the heart of like the, the DC power lobbying. You know, I just want to point that out for listeners who might not be familiar with the city is that you guys in late two thousands, I think it was like, yeah, you said 2009, 2010, like in the heart of like what people picture is like, the corporate K Street lobbying, you guys, that's where you guys put the CrossFit. Yeah, put it right right there. I mean, there's, yeah, I mean, we're, a, we're at L Street, so it's K Street, so all the, like, the power brokers, and we're right there. Um, and, uh, you know, we're right in the heart of the city. It was great. It was, it was great to be there. And in fact, you know, it's funny, there was a, there's a piece in there uh, that Blair Morrison, who was, uh, he's now has, Anywhere fit. It was, I think it was, uh, across it anywhere. It's not anywhere fit. Um, there's a, there's a metal piece that Blair helped construct, uh, design that we built in there that was this amazing sort of like monkey bar, I beam. Uh, oh, I remember that. that was, yeah. I remember that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, Blair helped design that. And, uh, and then we had some people build it for us. It was really cool. In fact, we had a, Going across the world, Dave Castro and his and his entourage came by one day to check it out and go across it. So that was pretty wild. So CrossFit, because you looked at it and, and and you built you that was part of the way that you built your brand and you had CrossFit Shaw, right? I mean, one of the clubs that you're that you run was CrossFit Shaw, correct? Yeah, yeah. So, um, well, this is this is uh, well, the CrossFit Shaw was after I got out of Balance Gym. So, um, you know, I, I think I left Balance Gym around 2013. And open up Urban Athletic Club. So, um, but I guess in that time, between you know opening up CrossFit, CrossFit Balance on 14th Street, I helped open up uh, CrossFit Dupont. So basically, we took when CrossFit DC left Calorama, we we put in CrossFit Dupont. Uh, me and it was this was uh, uh, Chris McQuilkin, Tex, who's with Power Athlete, um, Callie Platt, who's with Power Athlete. Uh, they were it was basically us three were the coaches. Um, so we had a little, we had a little uh, meeting in December. I went up to the power athlete symposium and saw them. It was kind of old times. Um, so CrossFit DuPont, I helped, uh, I started CrossFit uh, Glover Park. I opened up uh, CrossFit Mutation on the campus of NIH. Um, so I've, I've been doing a couple of You called things. it CrossFit Mutation? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. It was, uh, it was great. We, you know, with the idea that I thought we, I thought it was going to be great. I really had this high hopes for CrossFit NIH or CrossFit Mutation, um, you know. But it was really funny. We just couldn't get um, the people that worked there couldn't get away. Like their bosses wouldn't let them leave to go work out. And I thought it'd be the exact opposite. I thought that on the campus of NIH we would have tons of people. Yeah. That's where I mean they promote they promote exercise. I mean these are the guys that came out yeah. with, you know helped develop the, the the fitness guidelines. Yeah. Yeah. But they just, 
you know, they couldn't get out of their work to do stuff. And so we, it didn't grow as much as I thought it would. Um, but yeah. And then I gave, I basically gave it to somebody. I gave it to a coach that I brought on. I gave it to him to, for him to run. He ran it for a few years before he left to North Carolina. Um, but yeah, so then I opened up urban athletic club uh, and we opened up our first space in Glover park. And I specifically didn't do a CrossFit affiliate there. I wanted to kind of move away from it a little bit for two reasons. One, I wanted to see if I could grow a brand without being CrossFit. And two, I knew that the space and I had wasn't conducive to doing CrossFit classes. So it was a little bit of both. Um, and then opening up in Shaw, uh, we brought in a partner who was a CrossFit coach and we thought we could, um, and we had the right space to do CrossFit here in Shaw. So that's why we have the CrossFit Shaw um, affiliate on top of the urban, like in, in conjunction with urban athletic club. Now, real quick, what's involved with being an affiliate? Is there, cause I think CrossFit did something really unique where they didn't have a specific, like in some businesses you franchise, if you're a goals franchise or a crunch franchise, you pay a specific amount of money every month and have percentage your revenues go towards that. CrossFit didn't do that. Did they? How, how did you, how'd the CrossFit affiliate system work? Well, see, so CrossFit will basically allow you to do what you want to do. Um, as long, you know, you can use their brands, but you can do whatever you want programming-wise. You know, you've got, you know, you've got access to do whatever you want to do in terms of your programming. Um, I mean, obviously, you can't be a Pilates studio and be CrossFit, you know, Pilates. I mean, people wouldn't show up. Um, maybe they will, who knows? But, I mean, like, CrossFit gives gives the affiliates a lot of leeway in terms of branding, in terms of programming. Uh, all they ask that if you have a CrossFit class, that it's taught by someone with an L1, a level one certificate. That's all it is. Um, and if you use, you know, if, and you have to have the CrossFit journal on your homepage. That's it. And so that's all it is. Really simple. So you didn't have to pay monthly. You weren't paying monthly fees. You weren't paying like yearly nope. fees. You just had there, to maintain the CrossFit. There is an annual fee. There is an annual uh, affiliate fee, which now I think it's three thousand a month. Sorry, three thousand a year. Um, but for initial, like it was five hundred bucks a year initially, and I think that some of the CrossFit gyms that were early on, I don't think they've ever increased the rate. I think it was like if you paid five hundred. That's what your rate is right now. So, Interesting. And yeah. so what, did, what, what, you know, as, you, as we had this, I mean, one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you, cause I knew you're, you're a CrossFit owner and you're, you're involved with the brand. What was your reaction to what, what the former CEO and the founder of CrossFit, when you saw that, you know, some of what he said, I mean, cause he had a couple of things. He had an email to one of his affiliates and then I guess he came out and said some uh, pretty stupid things on, on social media. Correct. That's right. Yeah. So, um, there are a couple of things. So, you know, I heard about this over the weekend and uh, where I, one of the affiliates here, uh, Petworth Fitness, it was CrossFit Petworth, um, basically de-affiliated from CrossFit. And I was like, what's, what's going on? Like I hadn't been in painish to the news. And then I started reading everything. And I was like, oh my goodness, what is like, what is going on? And, you know, of course, one thing was, um, one thing was the, uh, the email to another affiliate owner, which is at rock, rocket, rocket, cross it now, rocket, rocket fitness. 
um, the, uh, you know, his email was just completely condescending. I mean, that, that alone, you know, had that been, and I'm in my mind, had that, and her email to him was thought out and it was well written and all those things. And Glassman's response to her was chauvinistic. It was rude. It was condescending. And had that been my daughter who said, Hey dad, this guy wrote this to me. I would have told my daughter to go tell the guy to go. Can I curse on your, can I curse on your podcast? Yeah, you can drop a bomb. Yeah. Okay. I would, I would have told my daughter, go tell the guy to go fuck off. That's what I would have said. Now, if that were my daughter, that's what I would have my advice to that, to her. Then I, then I saw the, the Floyd 19 remark, um, you know, that, that basically it's his response to that. And then just reading through everything, just the lack of response from CrossFit HQ was amazing. Considering that, like, it would be one thing if this were a company that just didn't speak out ever about anything. You know, if this were just, you know, ABC company who, hey, we sell widgets. And oh, my, oh what? Really? There's something happening? We had no idea. Like, you know, this is a, a company that speaks out on so many things. And to not speak out against this, like, look, Glassman's spoken out against big sugar and big soda and big farm, all these things he's spoken out against. And, and a couple of years vocal. ago, they, they fired one of their, I think they fired one of their communications guys who came out against pride. I remember Glassman came out in favor. You know, it was like they had one of their employees speak out against, against gay pride month and, Gla- and they fired him. And Glassman came, I think it was Glassman that came out and said, Hey, we, you know, we support the community. We want to be inclusive. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that like they've been so, they, they just, they've had such a voice and to not have this voice at all. And then like to be on Instagram, I mean, it's just like we're talking about social media here, like to post a, a video on kipping pull-ups. And then the responses were like, I guess we're going to kipping pull up our way from racism. It's just like all these things were made. And there's no, there was no response from HQ. I mean, nothing. And it was, uh, it was just, it was a really strange time to see that uh, uh, people that were so vocal, not be vocal on something that really matters. Like, look, diabetes is terrible, but racism is a lot more terrible than <laughs> yeah. diabetes by tenfold. And so I think that that's just what was amazing about it. Um, just the lack of, of um, just there's not, no voice whatsoever about this. And I think okay. that's what, and especially look in DC, like I get it in some parts of this country. Um, people like, yeah, who cares? But in DC, my members are, and every member of every CrossFit gym here in DC, it's every, it's everything. It's all parts of the fabric of America in, in this city at CrossFit gyms, now former CrossFit gyms. And half my, you know, I would say 50% plus or minus are women. And just, just again, alone with that rocket CrossFit email response, like how can I look at one of my female athletes in the eyes and say, ah, oh, it's cool. You know, I, I can say that I can, you know, I, I can support a guy who says this to another, to a female affiliate owner. It just, it wouldn't, it's not right. And then again, my business partner here is African American. And I would, be, I would say, Hey, you know, it's fine. It's okay. Here's, let me write this check. And we're getting, you know, we were already having discussions about should we renew anyway, just based on how we are programming wise and everything else. And, 
And even the support we had during the, the pandemic, we got more emails about paying our affiliate dues than we did about supporting um, them, HQ supporting us. Oh, really? And uh, Interesting. Yeah, I mean, just, yeah, just like, hey, when are you paying? When are you paying? Hey, when are you guys paying? Hey, we can divide up the payments. Um, yeah, so. Uh, do you think, well, do you think on that note, because that's one of the things, like, if you had told me in 2005 when I first did my workout with Tom, if you told me in 2005, hey, Pete, by the year 2014, they're going to be showing CrossFit competitions on, two, tw- on, on ESPN2 or ESPN, I would have thought you were insane. I would have bet my house against it. You know, I would have bet the place that Monica and I had in Abs Morgan and said, you're crazy. There's no way that this workout is going to, you know, this workout is going to be that popular. It's going to be on ESPN. Do you think that CrossFit's kind of run its life cycle, that it run its life cycle anyway? Do you think it kind of like we, the fitness industry had kind of evolved beyond it? Well, I would say this. It has been happening for a long time. If you look up Google Trends and you look up the word CrossFit, you will see a peak. And you will see since that peak, it's been about seven years of decline. Um, And it's not because, I don't think it's not because CrossFit is irrelevant. Um, and and, And by itself, I think what's happened is that there are so many more people out there who are educated through strength and conditioning, through USAW. Let's face it, CrossFit gave life to Olympic lifting. I mean, Olympic lifting was a fringe, fringe, fringe sport. Dude, before, before 2005, no, the, the only place you saw an Olympic platform was in a, it, it was in a collegiate strength and conditioning facility. Yeah. There were yeah. no commercial gyms with an Olympic platform. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, I remember, like, when I was in 2005 – you know, internet was, was super slow and you had, you had look up things in books, not, not YouTube videos. Um, you know, learning like, Hey, how's the, you know, or you actually have to do that in like 2002, like learning how to do a clean, you see the one picture of the bar by your, by your hips. And then a picture of the bar by your, yeah. a, 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 I don't even know what a front rack was at that point. It was like, how did the bar get there? Uh, the photo was just two pictures. It was like, well, where's the triple extension or any of these things? Like it was really funny, but so again, CrossFit introduced, you know, Olympic lifting to so many people. Um, so, and I think that's what's happened. Is what's happened over time is that it's there are so many really good coaches out there. I mean, CrossFit has educated a lot of L one, L two, L three, level one, level two, level three type coaches that are out there that now have experience in developing their own things. I mean, let's face it, people want to develop their own brand, their own person, everything else. And that's why people are moving away from CrossFit because they have, they, they found their own voice. They found their own um, persona and they don't need to associate themselves with the brand anymore. And, you know, it's, it's, and so what's happened is that people are just, it's lost relevance because there are so many more educated, qualified coaches out there who have a voice that people will follow. Um, and let's face it, like, look at, look at Arms Theory, look at F45, um, you know, Barry's Boot Camp. There's so many things that are out there, big brands that have, that have taken what is so good parts, the, the easier parts of CrossFit, you know, like, you know, pull-ups and push-ups and lunges and squats, taking away the part that people kind of, kind of shy away from sometimes which are the cleans and the jerks and the snatches the 30 reps of snatches yeah yeah the 30 yeah. reps of clean i mean it takes yeah. 
you know, I didn't even thought about that yet because as Orange Theory has become, Orange Theory, I guess, was increasing in popularity. I mean, it's high intensity interval training, right? I mean, that's all it is. I mean, it's not any secret sauce. It just you do it in orange lights and you do it in a, a, a slightly different, it's just a slightly different system. CrossFit was one system. OTF is another system. F45 is another system. And whatever, I mean, they just found a way to market it. I mean, all that, because at the end of the day, it all comes down to marketing, right? Yeah, absolutely. And it's, you know, I think the other thing with CrossFit was that helped it grow was that you could easily find a CrossFit box somewhere else. So you knew what you were getting. If you were traveling, you know, I remember years when I would travel, you'd look for a gym and you would look, you know, you would try to find a gym. You'd go there and I'm like, ah, oh, this isn't a gym. This is like a crappy, uh, no AC, no nothing gym with everything being rusty. But with CrossFit, it made it simple to say, oh, you know what? Here's a CrossFit gym. I can go there. Hey, it's just kind of everyone spoke the language and yeah. you, could, you could go there. And, this, and that's what's happened to the, some of these franchises. People speak the language. They feel welcome. It's easy. Um, well, I think you're the one who, to, who told me years ago that CrossFit made it cool to run around the block. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Especially, yeah. Especially carrying, carrying a med ball, you know, like, yeah. And so exactly. what do you see? What do you see the future? Like, what are you looking for? So now you, you're no longer an affiliate. I mean, you, you pulled your, we, your, we, yeah, your we, we pulled the, yeah. yeah, we pulled the affiliation. Um, you know, we made a post on Instagram and we're have told our members what's going on. And, um, you know, and even, even I'm glad, you know, I'm even more glad now, now that some of the um, private comments that Glasson made have come out uh, that he made to some affiliate owners. Um, Look, I think the future, I mean, the, the future of, of where this thing will go, I mean, so many athletes are leaving CrossFit. So many athletes have spoken out about it. Some of the big-time athletes, like not just, you know, Joe Blow around the corner, but like some big-time athletes have spoken out of, about CrossFit. Um, and, so, and look, some places, NC Fit, for example, and it used to be CrossFit NorCal, is now NC Fit. So they've, they've taken the CrossFit out of their name many years ago. And now it's NC Fit. I mean, and their branding doesn't even talk about CrossFit. Uh, yeah. um, this is before. This is this is pre. You know, this is 2019 and before. Yeah. And so many other brands that are, that are big CrossFit names have taken the name CrossFit out of their name already. Well, so here in San already, yeah, I was to say here in San Diego, Invictus did that a few years ago. I mean, CrossFit Invictus, I know, had one of the better teams in the CrossFit competitions. And yeah, I noticed maybe two, three years ago that they're no longer using CrossFit. It was just simply Invictus. So it's interesting that you say that. Yeah. I mean, so many people, so many, so many affiliates have just don't even talk about that. And, and part of that is because some people get intimidated by CrossFit and they're like, Oh, well, if I do CrossFit, it's going to be high rep Olympic lifting for time. And it's like, well, no, that's, that's what you read in Newsweek. Um, that's not what happens every single day. You know, and CrossFit did hit like a threshold around 2000, maybe 11, where there was a point where it was opening up. They were opening up so many affiliates that now, you know, soccer moms, I put that in parentheses, soccer moms are doing CrossFit. And the hardcore people that were loved the blood, sweat, and tears, like, why, you know, now soccer moms are doing it. It's kind of, you know, like it's losing its cool. It's like, it's like Facebook. Yeah. You know, it's, it's one of those things where, oh, once, once your mom's on it, it's not cool. <laughs> it's not cool anymore. Yeah. Right. And I think that's what was happening is it like it gained so much popularity that it kind of lost its coolness. Um, and, and also on that same point that 
people were kind of scared of it because they would read stories where, oh, well, somebody somebody got rhabdo and therefore I will get it too. Um, and that's well, why you wait. see these places, these places like NC Fit. You see places, you know, even like what we were doing by having things that weren't necessarily always CrossFit, if you will, the class-wise. Yeah. And where do you see the growth? I mean, where do you see the trend in the industry going? Like as you're, as you're looking to open up your fourth location, as you're kind of imagining a new business model, post-COVID-19, post what, what, what trends do you see or, or what, how do you see the fitness industry evolving out of it? Because just to let you know, I mean, we're recording this on Friday, June 12th, and today is the first day that, that facilities are opening in San Diego County, but there's a whole, where I live, and there's a whole list of stuff they have to do, you have to go through and all that. So I don't even think I'm going to step in a facility for another couple of weeks. I'm going to keep training the, the couple of clients I have, and we keep just doing over Zoom and just stay, you know, stay out of the facility for the short term. Yeah, so I think that the future is is right now. I, th- I think we're in. I, I think first of all, we're in this sort of. Um, you know, remember when like AT and T broke up, and there was all these uh, eighteen million different companies, and then over time, things consolidated again. You know, like there were like all these different companies, and, and it's like I think that's what's happening now. Is you're going to find all these CrossFit affiliates breaking up and leaving CrossFit and then there'll be some consolidation as, as some, as somebody, something puts things together and says, Hey, I have some money. How about we link up with this, this, and this. And I, I really think you're going to see um, a consolidation, not just some, around CrossFit. I think you're going to see a consolidation around small boutique fitness studios. Um, and this is something I've been thinking about for a long time. And hopefully I can, um, get this together, but I think that you'll see yoga studio, cycling studio, functional fitness slash athletic studios consolidate to create particular brands among boutique studios. And that will, so people can have more access to different places. And I think you're going to see a lot of outdoor fitness take off. And I think you're going to see a lot of that happening because people aren't going to want to step into a gym for a while, you know? And, and I, well, do you think, do you think we're going to see this hybrid? Cause you said you're offering classes the virtual classes. Are you going to continue offering virtual classes? And do you think that will kind of go forward? Cause my thought Graham is that you're going to have some gym like in California. And I know in Washington state, they're going to limit class size. They're going to limit how many people can be in a physical studio. So even if you wanted to have 30 people in a studio, you can't. And you're going to have to, in order for you to be revenue positive, you're going to have to stream it. So do you think we're going to see kind of uh, the streaming, like you can lead a workout in your studio. You may maybe only have six or seven people there, but then you can beam it out to your clients in Seattle, to your clients around the country. Yeah. I mean, that's exactly what we're planning to do next week. Actually, we're, you know, we've been doing primarily Zoom classes, but now we're going to take that Zoom and put that on to um, and have and Zoom our live classes so people can be at home. Um, people can, uh, do whatever they want to do with the workout that we're doing and where they can come to the gym. So zoom it or lot or it here, which either way is fine. And I think you're going to see a lot of that happening where people are just, especially if you, you know, have a parent or have someone who has some sort of, you know, compromised, um, system, you know, you're going to, that's going to be the way of the future. I think you the short, the, I guess the short term is going to be, you're going to see smaller in-person classes at the same time the Zoom is happening. You know, not unlike what 
say Peloton does when they have their classes. They've got a little studio and everyone's there doing their stuff, but they're also broadcasting it out to a larger amount of people. Um, I, I think you'll see that happening. And I, but that's, I think that's a short term. I think the long term is going to be, and not just fitness, but I think just like retail in general, I think you're going to see more spaces with outdoor capabilities. If I'm a restaurant owner, I don't want a space where I can't put half my restaurant outside. If I'm a fitness owner, I don't want to commit to a space. I can't put half my business outside because this happens again. Like I'm, you know, I'm just, I'm screwed. You know, why am I paying for this retail space? I can't even use. So I think you're going to find perhaps design of spaces will change. I think you'll see more sort of sidewalk permits coming out for, for things. Uh, I just think that you're going to see all sorts of things sort of change over the next bit of time. And um, it, which also could shrink the population of trainers. Because if you think about it, if I'm a trainer and I have 10 clients that I see all over the city, and now those clients are maybe doing Zoom stuff elsewhere, I have fewer clients. I don't see them. Now I, I'm out of a job, you know? Yeah, that's one of the things I think is going to impact. I think a lot of people that, that have done this traditionally are going to be looking to what, what else can they do for work? I mean, they don't want to be working the, in the facility. They don't be working in fitness. I mean, and I don't know if you saw this, but we're, again, we're recording this on the 12th. And two days ago or three days ago, 24-hour fitness went into bankruptcy. They shut 150 locations and they fired a percentage of their staff via recorded phone call. So you didn't even get the, you didn't even get the, the decency of an in-person phone call. It was like, Everybody dial in at this time, and all the people that dialed in at that time were. Play, it was a recorded phone call saying thank you. Know, somebody, somebody had posted it online. Somebody recorded the the message and posted it online. It was like, you know, this is a difficult time. We thank you for your service, but as of right now, you're no longer blah 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 blah. You know, and it just was. I mean, you want to talk about cold hearted, and I really do think our former employer, Town Sports, is going to have to reorganize. But why wouldn't a fitness center like look at the large? Imagine you had a hundred locations. And 20% of your, your locations were very were barely, you know, generating revenue and you had expensive leases. Why wouldn't you reorganize and get rid of your underperforming leases and, and tighten up operations? Absolutely. I feel that, um, and this, this is a, a big thing in fitness in general, is that as you and I both know, is that these companies don't take care of their people, which is why you left and I left and, how many people left Washington sports clubs because if they would have just paid us what we wanted to get paid, like the people didn't come to the gym for the treadmill. They came to talk to you. They talked to me. Um, I mean, I think about the people who worked there when we worked there. And I think that seven of us who are there are somehow have either opened a gym or done some really amazing things at that space. Like, and these are people who, people who had WC given the opportunity to could have been done amazing things, but we all left because we weren't getting paid. Well, I always, and I liken that to the, to the goose that laid the golden egg, right? Is where the goose that laid the golden egg, the farmer killed the goose and cut it open for all the gold. When instead if, if he had fed the goose and kept the goose, you know, warm and, and kept the goose happy, he would have gotten a golden egg once a week. And that's what I see in the fitness industry, Graham, is I see these major corporations that own multiple locations. They're like the farmer. They're taking that goose and they're beating that goose's head into the barn saying, lay more gold. When in reality, if, if they develop people like you, people like myself, 
and they they worked with us and nurtured us instead of stepping on our neck, you know, all the time or stepping on our back all the time, then they they could be in a, in a much different position. And that's what before we hit record, what do you try to do with your staff there? I mean, with your team there, because I love the way you described it, the people that that you work with at your facility. I mean, you're the facility owner, but how'd you describe the people that that you work with? So what we've done is we've really built a beautiful gym. Uh, we have, I go and, and I try to find the most professional people to work here who want to make fitness their life. Um, and I'm not disparaging those who do this as a side thing. I'm just saying I want to find people who want to make this their 40 hour a week job. Um, there's a much higher give a crap factor in that than if you can just, if you can walk away tomorrow, it's not, you're not that fully vested. Um, and then I try to pay as best as I possibly can. Like typically uh, I'm paying more per class than people are getting elsewhere. Um, we were just starting a revenue sharing um, plan with all of our staff. Uh, I have a trainer who is, and I try to be super fair with everybody and, and try to be honest. And um, we're even sharing like with everyone, what our revenue is like, here's what we make. Here's what I make. Here's what the gym makes. Just so people know, like, hey, it's, it's being fair on all these things. And if we do that, then we get good, dedicated people. Um, and I, I, will, I just want to make sure that we can pay people to stay in fitness so they can do this as their full-time gig. And, that, and that's, that's, my, that's my goal, is to really have full-time, dedicated professionals that are here. And so they don't want to leave. If they don't want to leave, and I, if I can make a penny off 100 people, I'd rather, make, I'd rather do that. Like the goose, I'd, like, I'd rather make that penny than to make $100 off of one person. It just, it's just much easier that way. Everyone's happier. There's no animosity. Um, people go the extra mile. All that stuff. Interesting. And, and, and now to, to finish wrapping this up, man, I mean, it's been really fun catching up with you. Hey, just to let you know, I, I forgot to say, uh, that exists. If you check out Exponential Fitness, and the first name it's X and then Ponential. It's a equity firm. It's a private equity firm out of Irvine. They're based in Irvine up in Orange County. And they own, they own Cycle Bar. They own Yoga Six. They own maybe they own a bar company. They own six or seven different studio brands that they all plot. They own a Pilates studio, but they, it's all franchisees. So they're the parent company and all those studios are franchisees. So you can go in as an operator and buy a cycle bar franchise, or you can buy row house is one of the brands. That's their high intensity brand. Oh, row yeah, house yeah. is one of the brands. So they've been, they've been one of the people to kind of put that together and to kind of have that, have that system. Cause I really do think you're right. I, I think that's one of the things we're going to see. The other thing I think we're going to see is a collection of, cause some companies are starting to do this where you take like an old, a physical, you know, imagine Wheaton Plaza, that old hex, that old hex building, right? And mm-hmm. and you go in there. So you go in there and you have an orange theory type workout in one in one section. You have a, a studio cycling in another. You have a, a yoga studio in another. You're gonna have kind of like a department store of fitness experiences that are both live and and live stream. I really do think I think that's one of the things that we're gonna see evolve out of out of COVID is we're gonna see a completely different hybrid business model between virtual and between online especially as some of these larger operators are decimated by not earning revenue for a quarter. Yeah. I mean, I think that, you know, I've looked at the, there's a place here called union market and it's inside this market. There are 20 different little food brands. There's a little donut place and little, a little sandwich place and coffee place and wine place. 
And I would love to do that same concept uh, in fitness. Uh, you know, just I love to find the space and love to find the right investors and, and everything else where, you know, you think about the studios, you know, if, if there's 10 studios, that means there's 10 different bathrooms, 10 different showers, 10 different front desks. desks. But like if you could have one place, you have one front desk, you have one set of showers, one set of baths. All those things are just easier to maintain. And, uh, and I've driven, I, I've drawn up this business plan 10,000 times and, and, and laid it out and everything else. And I think that uh, the time will come eventually to do that. But, you know, again, uh, but I think that the big thing is going to be we're going to need to see some outdoor space because I think that, I don't think that pandemic stuff is going to go away anytime no, soon. Unfortunately it's, not. It's, yeah. Do you have it at Shaw? I mean, where do you have outdoor space in your facilities now? Uh, so at Shaw, we've got a 25 foot of sidewalk in front of us for a whole block. And it's, oh, wow. uh, yeah, it's great. We've got four tents. I've got a misting fan. Um, we can take equipment out easily and, and back and forth. It's really nice. I and mean, it's really, and we're on the north side of the, of the block. So it's shady almost the whole day. Um, Glover Park and, and uh, Adams Morgan, because they're both inside hotels in the basement, I don't have the same sort of access. Uh, but in Watergate, we do have the Watergate Plaza we can get around in. So, um, you know, once that opens, we can get there. So that's your yeah. newest location. I mean, just for listeners, I mean, the, your newest location is in the, uh, the Watergate complex, right? But, yes, it is. Yeah, it's uh, Watergate right in the center. Um, I haven't quite had the tour of, the, of where things were, were done in the 60s, but... 70s whenever that was um but yeah it's uh it's right there in the watergate so it's it's an interesting place to have a, a gym for sure well it's beautiful it's right there on the potomac do you know why that area is called watergate just a little little dc inside information i mean are you quizzing me because i know the yeah. answer do you know the answer <laughs> yeah i know the answer so the initially uh if you're at the lincoln memorial and you go to the back side of the lincoln memorial there are these steps that go to nowhere. You go down these steps and you go down the steps and it leads you to the highways, the, basically the, the, um, the beach drive and, and the, the highway that's right there. That was meant to be where the water gate, where dignitaries would be dropped off. They would go up these amazing, beautiful white steps and which leads in the, the backside of the Lincoln Memorial, which when you come up those steps, you look to the right, there's the Memorial Bridge. It takes you to Arlington National Cemetery. And then you have Independence Avenue to your right, to your, to your south end. And then in the north end, you have Constitution. You can take one of these grand plazas all the way down to the, uh, all the, way to the Washington Monument, all the way to the left, of course, to the White House, straight ahead to the, to the Capitol building. So that was the water gate of, of gate, the gate into Washington, D.C., which is why it was called the water gate. Absolutely, Your Honor. Yeah, I, just, I didn't know if you. Yeah, I didn't know if you knew that. And for listeners, I mean, that's why it, it, the Watergate Complex is just a little bit north of there, right on the border between uh, between you know George because Georgetown was Georgetown was I don't know if it was incorporated, but Georgetown was there before DC itself was there, and they put DC there when you had Georgetown on the north side of the river and you had Alexandria on the south side of the river, and the, and when they were creating the federal the federal district in the late 1700s, early eight late 1700s, it was. They, they took that land that was a little bit east of Georgetown, a little bit north of Alexandria. So I'm glad you know that because that's a, I used to run there. For, when I taught at Sports Club LA, we used to run, it was about a, less than a mile from Sports Club LA to the stairs. We'd run those stairs a bit and then we'd run back to the gym. So yeah, yeah. I'd love that area. I mean, yeah. I, love, I yeah. love throwing out the, the, the DC history there. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. And, and people who don't know, like, you know, the, the canal, basically the Potomac Canal, it would go through all the way 
you know, still there through parts of Georgetown, Constitution Avenue used to be a waterway and there is still a lock house on Constitution Avenue on 18th Street. 18th Street is uh, just a few blocks from 16th, which is where the present was, where the White House is. And there's an old lock house. And you ask yourself, why is there a lock house in the middle of the, of the, of the road? And it's because that used to be the canal way, that the canal went all the way towards the, uh, the capital in front of the capital and then dumped into the Anacostia. Yeah, yeah, so, Tiber uh, Creek. I, that's sorry, I remember. There's yeah, there's a Tiber yeah. Creek Tavern that was over by Capitol Hill. Yeah, yeah. And so, listeners, you get that. So, so how can people find out if people come to DC? Can people do drop-in workouts with you, Graham? How can how can people find out more information, or if they just yeah. want to you know try one of your virtual workouts? Share because I you know you're one of my hey, honestly, dude. I mean, we, I know we talk a couple times a year, but I always love your conversations because I love what you're doing. And uh, man, I do. If I were ever to consider moving back to DC, it'd be to be able to do something with you and and, and hook up some way possible. Well, yeah, so they, they can check us out on Instagram. That's, that's the most up-to-date information. Uh, you know, it's, it's at Urban Athletic Club. And then our website is urbanathletic.club. Um, and people always say urbanathletic.club.com. No, no, urbanathletic.club. I got one of those really cool URLs. Um, but, yeah, I mean, they can, they can check us out there. They can come to D.C. We are at... Uh, you know, the, the plug to the Glover Park Hotel, if you want a place to stay, check out the Kempton at the Glover Park Hotel. Check out the Lion Hotel at Adams Morgan. Uh, we have we are, have gyms in there, and then we have a gym in Shaw. So for all those convention center people that, that are coming to D.C., just, you know, head north, and you can see our gym there. So if you go to D.C., if you go to the D.C. Convention Center, go down and uh, go down to Urban Athletic, yeah. say hi to Graham, and let them know you heard about, it, heard about him on uh, All About Fitness. That's right. Yeah. And we always have two giant tractor tires out front. So even if we're closed, they can always slip a tire or jump on them. <laughs> dude, that is awesome. Man. Well, Hey, I appreciate yeah. your time, dude. It's great yeah, to Pete, catch up. It. It's really, it really is a lot of fun to, to have this conversation. Awesome, man. I'm looking forward to, uh, you know, I know we have another, we have another project we have in mind once this, once the travel was up and uh, our little travel fitness plan we, we keep talking about. So one of these days we'll knock it down. Oh yeah. Wait for listeners. Yeah. Finally, that's going to be a tease. We're, we're going to put together a little, um, you want, we want to do something in Costa Rica, like a little fitness retreat thing. So we've, we've kind of gone back and forth. So a little tease for that. Watch out for, for Graham and I doing a, a fitness retreat for the, the 40 something fitness enthusiasts before two. That's right. Now, as you can hear, I have a lot of affection for Graham and we didn't know each other. We grew up in two different areas. And, and I grew up in Silver Spring. He grew up in Columbia, Maryland. They're not that far apart. So we have very similar experiences growing up. And we worked together, hmm, I think from maybe 99, 2000 to about 2005, 2006. And it was in 2006 when I really jumped into education side. I had been full-time personal training for a number of years. And in 2006, I took a job as a director of education for a chain of health clubs, a national chain of health clubs. From there, I went to go work for one of the certifications for the American Council on Exercise. And I've always kept in touch with Graham. Number one, I love him. He's a great guy, a, a really good friend of mine. And he is always doing killer things. But number two, he's done some of the most creative things. I wanted him to tell that story of how they got for, I didn't realize that was the final price or that, that was the initial price, $500 a month. You have to understand, Calorama is one of the most expensive neighborhoods in Washington, D.C. So to have a full studio, the full basketball court, is pretty amazing. That really was. Anytime I was in the D.C. area between 2006 and 2008, maybe, I would always drop in and catch a workout there 
with Graham and uh, Mark, his former business partner. And at some point, they split ways. Uh, Mark owns Balanced Gyms, and Graham started an urban athletic club. And it really is, he's, he's a guy I go to to kind of get the entrepreneur side of things with that. Now, on that note, if you're looking for workout solutions, I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, I have the workouts. But you can also pick up, if you want to learn more about how to design your own exercise programs, you can pick up a copy of Smarter Workouts, The Science of Exercise Made Simple. It's my book I wrote for Human Kinetics. There's a link down below in the show notes. Buying the book is a way to support the podcast. And hey, I'm not asking something for nothing. You get a great book in there. You get 21 workouts in there that you can do using only one piece of equipment. And as the title says, you'll understand the science of exercise so you can learn how to design your own exercise programs. It was a lot of fun to catch up with Graham. It was really, I wanted to hear his insights and, and hear what he thought of I don't want to call it a controversy. There's no controversy. You make a racist statement. If you're a misogynist, there's no controversy. I just, I don't want anything to do with you. And I don't know about you um, personally, but I know myself the last few weeks, especially, I've been doing a lot of delete and unfollow on, on my social media. And I'm talking about people I've known for years. And maybe these are people I went to school with or people I grew up with. And, you know, if I don't agree with their views or if I think there's any type of, of, messaging or posting in there I don't like, I'm done with it. I don't I don't have the patience for that anymore. You know, I don't wanna I don't want to hear conspiracy theories about COVID. I don't want to hear conspiracy theories about, you know, I'll I'll entertain an interesting conspiracy theory, but I got no patience for that nonsense. So I really appreciate why CrossFit affiliate owners really had no patience. I mean, you have a couple you have a couple issues where Glassman came out and was really just condescending and rude to one of his affiliate owners, one of his customers, because think about it, if you own CrossFit and the affiliates that they're paying you a, a franchise or a licensing fee, they're your customer. But to be condescending and rude to a customer is just not appropriate in any business, especially fitness. And then to follow that up with, with racist and insensitive statements at any time is it, just not appropriate. Nobody wants to do business with that. That really is. You know, Nobody wants to have that to deal with that and everything. So that's why I wanted to find out from Graham what his thought process was because I saw that he was no longer going to be affiliated of CrossFit. And Graham was. I mean, CrossFit DC, Tom Bros really was back in 2005. Two, yeah, 2005 was the first time I did a CrossFit workout. And as Graham mentioned, you know, it was like, okay, what's the secret sauce to this? I mean, if you're a good trainer and you're doing the right stuff, you're doing that type of thing, that type of workout anyway. And the only thing that CrossFit did was they put a little bit of a system, they put a little competition to it. As you heard, Graham is just really a forward-thinking guy, really understands the fitness business, really cares. He cares about his members, he cares about the people he works with, and he cares about you And if you walk through the door. And if you do find yourself in Washington, D.C., two of his locations are in hotels. One is in Abs Morgan, I think in the Line Hotel. The other one is in a hotel, the Kempton Hotel in Glover Park. And they have a location in the, in the convention center right in downtown D.C. So if you happen to find yourself in D.C., do go into Urban Athletic Club, drop in, catch a workout, and, and look for Graham and let him know you heard about him here on the All About Fitness podcast. So with that, if you want to follow up, if you have any ideas, any thoughts, uh, any ideas for guests, shoot me an email, Pete at PeteMcCallFitness.com. If you like listening to the podcast, please do me a favor, reach down, hit the review button because reviews are like gold, right? You know, the more reviews the podcast gets, the higher up it goes in the search rankings and the more people find out about it. And that really, that means a lot. I understand you may not be able to support a piece of content or buy a piece of content. That's fine. 
but that's how I want to do the podcast. I don't want to put it behind a paywall. I don't want to take advertiser dollars because I want to be able to, to speak freely and, and, and speak my mind on certain issues. And if you find yourself listening to the podcast, I'm trying to develop content that can really help you enhance your quality of life, help you learn how to use fitness to enhance your quality of life. I got a couple of killer pieces of stuff I've work, been working on the last little bit. I'll be rolling them out here very shortly, and I think you're going get, to get a lot of benefit from that. As always, thanks for stopping by, and I look forward to having you join me for future episodes of All About Fitness.